Hello and welcome everyone to Therapy of the Absurd, episode 17. What's up? <laughs> when I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Probably not. Okay. Have you ever realized that's what Kay Sarah basically says is possibly you won't be pretty. Oh, I made her leave. You won't be pretty or you won't be rich. Like she says that like her, her daughter asks her, will I be pretty? Will I be rich? And she goes, ah, how do I know? Looking at you now, it could go either way. It could. I'm sorry. I scared you away. Stacey. Come back. <laughs> oh, how was your uh, week? She's like Dan, you're never allowed to sing again. <laughs> She's I'm really like, hoping it's her connection. Um, so my ears, my <laughs> ears. My ears. <laughs> yes, how was your week, Star? How so, was your week? so my week is interesting. So I was being asked by people, "Do you get Veterans Day off?" Right? Uh-huh. Like a lot of people yeah. are asking, "Do you get Veterans Day off?" And actually, at my company, no, but we get Memorial Day off, which does not make sense. Because you can hang out with survivors. You, you can hang out with survivors. You, you can't. Okay, you don't get it. Got it. I can hear you. You can hear us now. Yay. Sorry, guys. I, um... I would tr- retry that joke for Stefan, but it's not going to work now. So, um. I'm sorry. Did I come in at the wrong time? Did you miss my beginning song? I didn't hear anything. So oh, okay, well, I'm not going to sing it again, Dan. No, I'm not going to sing it again. I'm just going <laughs> to ask her. I'm just no, no, no. I'm just going to ask her. Do you did you ever like you've heard Kesara the song Kesara? Yeah, Kesara, Kesara. Yeah, I'm not saying it right, Maybe but that's it fine. It's not like quesadilla. Like I'm like, what? Yeah. Quesadilla. <laughs> hey, Kesara. Kesara, you gonna have any hot sauce in quesadilla? Um. Anyways, um. No, like. So I was bringing up the fact that she asked her mom, will I be pretty? Will I be rich? And what her mom says is, maybe. Mm. There's a possibility you won't be. That but don't worry good. about it. Aladdin mother. Yeah. yeah. 50-50. <laughs> right. 50-50. 50-50, right? Or maybe 60-40. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want your kid to grow up with low self-esteem, just have a Hispanic relative just... Just, just have him hang out or near a Hispanic relative. Like, if I gain like five pounds, my aunts are automatically like, "You're getting a little chunky, aren't you?" Like, <laughs> oh man, my my wife's parents are like that. When uh, before the pandemic, man, come holidays, we'd hang out. I uh, put on a couple pounds, huh? They're like, "Hey, I thought you were trying to be wife material." My grandma um, want, is the worst. <laughs> Ever since I was a little girl, she would have me wear waist trainers. She'd be like, look, you need to look good for your future husband. And the joke's on my grandma because I'm still single and said, hell nah. jeez. Um, <laughs> oh, I have to give it up to my grandma, though. She's, like, very vain, and I've become very vain. But when I was like, grandma, I think I need plastic surgery. She's like, you do. I'll go with you if you want. <gasps> <laughs> Damn, you got some comedy right there, yo. <laughs> yeah. It's already yeah. in there. <laughs> did you did you ask her like so so what are you thinking of getting? Like like uh, a horn or maybe like uh antlers? 
look. Ooh, antlers. I'm supposed to be like husband presentable, not the opposite, sir. <laughs> hey, it depends what kind of husband you're looking for now. Uh, hey, man. The greatest thing, though, is my grandma was like, yeah, you do. I'll take care of you because you do. It's that bad. Wow. Um, <laughs> I love her, though. And that was yeah, your grandma? You have, my grandma, yeah, and she's the most hilarious. Bad abuelita. To strangers, Bad. she um, like she'll go straight up, like tell like uh one of her employees or her or a stranger's kid if she's known them for a while, she'd be like, oh, you gained some weight, didn't you? Like she's that Ooh. type of person. She is. Oh, so she's like gordo. Gordo, come here, gordo. <laughs> No, because that still sounds loving. She's not like oh. that. She's just, she says everything. She, she was raised by nuns. Like, she did not have a typical childhood. She doesn't show affection. So when I show her affection, I, like, grab her love handles. And I'm like, you're such a good grandma. And she just absorbs all of it. She's just like, yeah. <laughs> Wow. You know what's yeah, weird so is I wonder if, if that goes back to like 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 1800 Spain, where where it was very very um, common for guys to have a mistress, and it's like, look, do you want to be one of those women whose guys had more than one mistress or just one? You know, like, just... it's common practice. Like, um, it's crazy though. It's it's actually right. You're actually right because the way that it was in like middle class, upper class in El Salvador is if your husband had a mistress it was typical and you were supposed to tolerate it and still run whatever like financial affairs and your children and like that's exactly <laughs> wow was that a, a San sancho sancho sancho, sancho? is a guy mistress also sancho Sa yeah like um but she was like she like I told you she was like raised by nuns so she doesn't show affection she's very blunt she's the most loving kind patient person but she is not like she's not gonna be like oh I love you no her her love language I is didn't. gifts okay she, her love language is gifts which I hey, love. you gained I some love. weight I will take gifts. She's like, you've gained some weight. Here's some pearls. <laughs> That's exactly my birthday, yes. <laughs> Man. I, I mean, oh, as your girlfriend, if you're married. married. <laughs> Abuelita, this yeah. is my girlfriend. My my wife got <laughs> sick of me introducing her as my bottom bitch. It was just like not the, she hated that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's a <laughs> My mom is the absolute like opposite. She is very, very affectionate. Like she's overwhelming affectionate. And she like needs to nuzzle me. And like she needs to hold my head. And sometimes okay, she's very religious. My mom is one of those crazy, like fanatic religious people. Every now and then she'll be like, Stacy, I, I wanna pray for you. And she'll grab her hand and like stick it against my forehead and be like, May yep. the power yep. of Christ compel you. May the power of Christ. She will pull oh. all out. And I swear to God, every now and yes, then I want to pull like an exorcist thing and just be like, Ugh. No, Dude, here's, I, I here's what you said here. And she went I, hardcore and she like 
literally went even harder and wouldn't stop praying for the next 30 minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not tell to you that anymore. You got okay. You got to film you watching The Exorcist with your mom, and, and we can play it on the pod. I would, I would, I would. Pay to She'll see start that, dude. praying nonstop. I'm. That's what I'm trying not to get her to do. If I do that. <laughs> She will start praying, and if I walk away, she'll get her holy water and start just throwing it everywhere. My brother learned the, the hard way that holy water stains your walls. So, Ooh. yeah, so it water. stains your walls. It's because of all the priest ejaculate. Oh. <laughs> hey, by by the way, uh, next time she holds your head, as the power of Christ compels you, you go, Mom, the devil's not in me right now. It was only a one-night stand. <laughs> oh, oh, she would see that, dude. And then film that. Steam, steam's going to come out of her ear. <laughs> I can't believe you fucked him. Um, <laughs> or however she would say it. Actually, I don't know how to do your mom's I voice. Mean, like I, I've told you guys before, my mom wants nothing more than just a grandchild. Like she doesn't care where it comes from. She's like, you can sleep with whoever you want. It could be an accident. She doesn't care. She just wants a grandchild. Okay. She's like, if mom? you need to go be a hoe, that's totally fine. Just give me my grandbaby. Mom, I was on the street and I bumped into a guy and I'm pregnant now, mom. What? Like, I don't care. I'll take care of it for you. I'm like, Mom, I, I still want to go out. She's like, that's fine. You can leave the baby with me forever. You can just come see it whenever you want. That baby comes oh, out man. head spinning, shooting pea soup everywhere, and she goes, ah, still my mijo. Like, <laughs> you know, like whatever. Mom, this, you just have to go to her and say, hey, Mom, have you seen Rosemary's baby? And she says, yeah, no, no. And you're like, yes, Mom. She'll take her to church. She'll take her to church. She won't care. She's <laughs> It's all it's all smoking. Why are you crying? By God, the way, Christ compels you. For for our audience, if you're ever gonna eat baby, always use rosemary as a seasoning. Oh, what's um, wrong with you? What? That's it's just Dog. a thing. Well, it is the holiday <laughs> season. Well, it is the yeah, holiday season, right? We're, gonna, we're about to come to Thanksgiving. We got to talk about the spread at the table. Um, so, uh, <laughs> disgusting. Uh, what? Hmm. Uh, you bring out the really? beautiful in me. Um, yeah, the I love. We, we keep we keep making <laughs> Ed laugh today. So we're doing great. We're doing great. It's just great. Well, they uh, say it makes the best. They say it makes the best gravy. <laughs> right, Dan. <laughs> Consuming people. What is wrong with you? Soil and green is people. This is not socially acceptable anymore. Wait, it was Stephen that brought up. It's Stephen that brought up. Stephen's the one who brought up uh, the recipe we call Rosemary Baby, right? Rosemary Baby? Oh, no, you were talking about the movie. Okay. Finger licking good. <laughs> All right, trucking forward. <laughs> you guys know what came out today. You know what came out today. Now I'm going to start. Everyone, see this start. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. His wife. His wife is so sick of him bringing that to bed. She's like, you don't even. You don't hold me anymore. You just sit there and rub that on your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. Right now, just as hard as possible. <laughs> but yes, I, the okay. PS5. I literally went to Walmart's website multiple times today at the exact times they told me to log in yeah. when they'd be re like when the PlayStation buzz would be back in stock. It was like Comic Con San Diego tickets all over again. It was wow, hoping that you'd get to the next page. Then get to the next page where you'd input your billing information, then hoping you'd get to the delivery section, and it'd be like psych out of stock. Oh no, yeah, they had a they had a whole thing. My buddy for the late uh, was late into the night going to Sam's Club, Costco, uh, what is it, uh, New Egg? I think it's called Dan. Is that what it's called? I forget. Uh, New, New Egg or, or GameStop or. Yeah, there's GameStop, uh, what is it, Walmart, Target. They have all these places. He went everywhere. And then he got it on a store I don't, I've never even heard of. Yes. I mean, here's the thing is that there's a possibility. So I keep joking with Stefan that it's going to take me two years to get one. Usually we're behind, but then my wife found out that the Horizon Zero Dawn sequel is going to be on it. And so she's like, but we have to get I'm sorry, something's going on with this. Uh, I have to have more beer, so I stopped doing that. I like a woman's part. Yes. Yes, Nick. I am really <laughs> pissed my, off. My eyebrows, you know what? My friend, okay, my friend, who is a girl, bought yeah. a PlayStation 5. She got lucky. I don't know how she got it today. She had a bidding war on Facebook Live. She ended up selling it for $1,000. Yes, I'm a very eBay. proud of how woman empowering she is she knows how to make financial game but i'm still pissed off because i'm like this bitch got the fucking playstation she's not even gonna play it i hate her i hate her <laughs> oh man no no yeah there uh ebay uh like maybe a couple months ago was about 900 slowly creeped over a little over a thousand today uh the last my buddy looked i haven't looked myself so take it with a grain of salt but he said it was like 2000 or over so you know why are you people paying this much money well, for something we're, we're, that doesn't even have that many what what's the actual game everyone's looking forward to spider-man or oh spider-man miles and morales is pretty hot the reboot for demon souls which is if you're into games that beat the shit out of you and kick your ass and, and no, don't uh, no. make for you I beat i'm, all I'm waiting i'm waiting for god of war ragnarok that's the one I would yes. get for the new yeah, God of War will be on there, and I am a. That's why I bought a PlayStation Three in the first place was to play all or PlayStation Two was to play God of War, and then I bought a PlayStation Three to play God of War Three, and then I bought a PlayStation Four to play the new God of War, and they yeah. just keep getting me with God of War because I I love that story. Um, but we have a little topic that we have to talk about today. Ooh. What have you been binge and purge watching? During the pandemic, I'm gonna kill me some TV. Um, myself, I uh, caught up on The Walking Dead. Uh, what else did I binge watch? Uh, Queen of the South because I got a little behind. If any of y'all seen that one, that one was fucking badass. Uh, what is it? The Boys. I had to watch season one again uh, before season two came out. I mean, come on, right, right. Uh, let's see, Stranger Things. I keep watching those over and over from season one on to the what is it? Three seasons now. Unless I'm wrong, and it's four. I think it's three, right? I'm pretty sure it's three. I don't know. See, uh, my wife, my wife has watched that. I've been meaning to one one day watch that. It's been 
Yeah. Cobra Kai. I still Cobra like Kai. The boys. Everyone kept telling me to watch The Boys, which actually reminded me of the earlier seasons of Walking Dead, where there is no mercy on characters. So they kill pretty much a strong supporting characters. As of season one, season two, it's like a freaking blood fest. I love it. Like kill Oh, it's beautiful. Go for it. But no, mercy. I have a problem. <laughs> when I binge watch, I really binge watch. Like, I finished both seasons in a day and a half. Not two days. Yeah. Day See, there you go. Yeah. So, so my wife and I have yet to watch the very last one of season two. We've watched everything up to that. We've just got to watch that. And it's 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 like I I love that show so much because you never know what the hell is going to happen on that. Oh, Nick, you're a sucker for the show Shameless. Yeah, that that's not surprising. Um, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's really good. But like I, I was mer- wordplay wordplay. Um, well, one of our guests, one of our guests from our previous shows, actually is working on season three of The Boys. I'm just going to keep it really brief because I don't want to reveal anything. I definitely don't want to get in trouble. But expect no mercy for season three. He says it's like the dark. It's like the dark side of the Avengers. Like prepare yourself. Really? Dark side Sir- of the Avengers. That's how he described yes, it to me. So I can't wait for season three. Um, I believe Jensen Ackles is going to be portraying one of yep. the heroes for season three. Yep. Supposed um, to be one of the original original. I, I will have to say, Anthony Starr, I believe is his name, who plays Homelander. Holy shit! If they make another uh, American Psycho, I want to see him in it. That guy has such the psychopath stare, the psychopath smile. He does it really well. And if you see his like interviews and stuff, which also I think he is an ax like he's not originally uh I think he's Amer- American. I think yeah, yeah. We suck at that, Anthony Starr. Don't hate us. We want to meet you one day. Um just don't, you know, burn us with your laser eyes. Uh but like he I I have like they cast that guy. I'm like, that's great. And and I made this joke I think the other day, like I really like Carl Urban. Guy's oh, amazing. Oh, yeah, dude. Red. Red, the, bro. The and guy with the accent, right? Yeah. But the thing, I, the thing that's Red interesting to me is he's always like this. You guys like that? Uh, tip us $5, and, you, and Dan will do that all show long. When you're, when you're a fat guy like me, this doesn't work for you. That's what's going on. You all have, like, a little party here in your britches, huh? I yeah, in, he's good yeah, at it. Yeah, I I need to actually stick to a diet one day, but you know, you you can't have beer on a diet. I'm not. Well, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I actually started watching the boys after I found out that Aya Cash from You're the Worst was going to play Stormfront. Now I'm not gonna release mm-hmm. any information because she's a good chunk of the plot for season two, or she's one of the main people for season two. You're the Worst has actually been the show that I've been binge-watching because it's the exact reminder of how screwed up as a person I am. Um, And it gives you a good idea as to the obstacles you deal with dating in L.A. with men, like the most emotionally unavailable men. It gives you an idea as to what these men think. And um, I... Not gonna lie though, I, I suffer from really bad depression. Like every now and then I'll go through my moments where I We are comedians. 
We are. That's exactly. What <laughs> 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 Don't remind me. Really, yeah, yeah, but um, you're the worst. Actually, goes into mental health, and I absolutely mm. loved it. And it's a really dark comedy. If you do watch it, <laughs> don't watch it with kids, or else you're going to be like. Mommy, what are they doing? What do they do with their tongue? Uh oh. <laughs> well, you know what I, you know what I love about her, the one who plays Stormfront, is for her first couple episodes they make you love her. She doesn't give a shit. She speaks her mind, everything, and then they go, "Oh yeah, but she's a Nazi," and you're like, "God damn it!" Well, that, okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! Oh, I'm Spoiler sorry. alert! Well, I'm sorry, everyone. So well. Go watch it. That is exactly you're the worst. She she portrays you, a very similar character without being a Nazi <laughs> as a typical LA person. Um, it, it, it's nice to have those anti-heroes. And she does have that on, on You're the Worst as well as her, her leading co-star. Um, but that's actually been one of the shows. I actually also have been binge watching like crazy as my background uh, noise, uh, Bob's Burgers, because I can never go oh, wrong. Yeah. There's a Bob's Burgers movie coming out, if I'm not mistaken, actually. Really? Oh. Yeah. It's like yeah, a double bacon a, cheese, saw... Bob's double bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> I saw a list of stuff. Uh, they're saying the SpongeBob movie might come direct to uh, POV because of the pandemic. There's a lot of stuff. I, I I'll get the list for next week. There, I mean, when you hear it, it's insane. You just made me think that if there was actually a SpongeBob POV movie where you get to pretend, like it shows you through the eyes of SpongeBob, would be amazing. Like you'd finally figure, why is this fucker happy all the time? Oh yeah, he's just continuously shooting heroin. I didn't know that. <laughs> what have you? Well, what, what have you been? What have you been binge watching there, Stefan? Uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things, man. Like, you know, I just uh, caught up on some South Park stuff that I haven't seen in a while because I missed quite a few. And they had the uh, latest episode about the pandemic, which is now a few weeks old. But uh, it's it's amazing because uh, I didn't know that the father, I forget the kid's name. Oh, man, it's awful. I don't remember if it's Kyle or whatever. But the dad becomes a like a, he owns his own weed farm. And then, uh, you know, everybody gathers into South Park and the, and the, you know, to go to the park. And uh, he's doing this whole thing, and they're thinking it's some kind of benefit, you know, for South Park, right? Because you know he came up on some on some on some cheese, and uh, instead it's him doing a sale, uh, his pandemic weed sale, <laughs> pandemic special. <laughs> it's 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 hilarious, dude. And then uh, people start getting some new form of uh, COVID or something, and uh, he's convinced that his uh, semen is the cure. Mm. Oh wait, that's like that. Did you did you see that one priest? I forget where he was. Somewhere in the world that was telling women that his semen was the cure for possession or something like that. He's like, oh no no, you just got to get it out and uh, you'll be cured. So hey, don't worry, I'll provide you the knee pads. Oh, oh. oh yeah, you know. Yeah, okay, so I got a question. It's disgusting. So am I weird? So yes, oh, other Gina. than the boys. Oh, other than the boys, I, I, yeah, I, I binge watch. I binge watch YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? So like, I binge watched Hitman Two playthroughs. People playing Hitman oh, Two. Okay. It's like I am surprised the Hitman games are so damn amazing. I've never actually played them, 
I just watch other one? people play them. I, I'll just watch other movie? people play it. It looks like really hard, and I'll get pissed off. But but it's just amazing that you'll have like a hundred different ways to go through the mission and kill people. I'm most impressed by the people who stay in the suit only, and like yeah. they only get their targets. They don't knock anyone else out or kill anybody else out. I'm gonna give a shout out to certain people like AJ Win on YouTube. Awesome. Uh, Win yeah. spelt the way that they spell it in Asia, not Win with W W. H E N, you know how to spell win with the N G, Nick, all that. Sorry, Nick Guns Ooh. Akimbo is fucking awesome. You are correct, sir. I will check that out. And then, um, and and I so I love those. And then I I keep watching like I I've been catching up with a deep fat fried. When it when I actually was on furlough, uh, they're a good podcast. Uh, don't watch them right now. Watch them later. Uh. <laughs> Some people think they're a bunch of cringy neckbeards. Okay, they're neckbeards. Is it cringy? Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't care. But they've done great, like, dives into history, great dives into, um, uh, what's Dan, it called? Oh. Dan, your beard isn't cringy, but it looks crunchy. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. Like a bag it's of so ruffles. Like a bag um, of ruffles. And then, oh. The other thing I've been binge watching a lot is these neighbors who fight all the time. Like it's the coolest shit. Like I just stand outside my window with a glass of whiskey and just watch them. And man, like he hits hard. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. This doesn't happen. They're peaceful. They're peaceful. Everything's great. Oh, I was gonna say, I'm is sorry. he a baseball player? I was like, why aren't you calling player? the police? What is wrong What's funny is, like, like we we every once in a while you hear you hear yelling because I live in the IE. Of course you do. I mean, we yell, they yell, everybody in the IE yells. It's just the way it is, and um, it's sometimes weird the stuff like you hear just like randomly, like, "Well, you should have taken the hot dogs out twelve hours ago." Like you just hear that just out of the blue across your neighborhood. It's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. What, what, what stopped him from taking out the goddamn hot dogs? <laughs> I, I don't have that problem. I'm okay. So I moved to downtown LA, right? But I picked this perfect spot where it's away from like Skid Row because actually there's a lot of luxury apartments right by Skid Row. And I picked right at the corner of. But it's away from everything at a distance where I'm not, like, in between protests or anything like that. I made the mistake of going out the day the World Series happened. I went out uh -oh. to a rooftop bar. Um, I don't know how because it's mostly white people living in downtown L.A. or, or homeless people or crackheads. And... Um, all the Hispanics decided to go to downtown LA once the Dodgers <laughs> won and start doing fireworks. And having fireworks at a rooftop level is the most scariest thing ever. Um, oh, it, yeah. You don't want to really be on the roof loud. to get this really fire. Loud. Yeah, it was, it was really yeah. loud. But the funniest thing is, they drove all the way to downtown LA and they all started doing their own parade and doing random fireworks. And you're like, you would think they would celebrate near home, but no, they just drove to downtown LA to scare the shit out of everyone there. Um, Let's fuck with the riches. Screw with the riches. By the way, when you say luxury apartments next to Skid Row, all I can think is diversity. 
It's diversity. It's, it's beautiful it's diversity. It's not diversity. It's gentrification because it's mostly <laughs> white people that are willing to pay $2,000, $3,000 to live next to a crackhead down the street. <laughs> so the wackiest That's gentrification cool. would be if they start paying $2,000 to live in someone's ex-tent. Like, oh, a tent under the overpass. How quaint. Let's go ahead and do that. Oh, they've left a kettle with a little bit of crack inside of it? That is awesome. We actually do have to be careful, though, because there are needles on the floor outside of the... Sh like, there's needles around very easily. I remember I had taken Who wants to my play saw too? out to brunch <laughs> at a bar. And we're walking, and I'm like, oh, shoot, that's a needle. I never grabbed such a tiny little petite lady away so fast in my life because a woman decided to wear sandals for some reason. And I'm like, Grandma, no, it's crack. Ooh. I was like, I well, it's, it's crazy. And then, like I said, it's like it's a high-luxury neighborhood, but at the same time, it's also super... I, I can't find the appropriate word. So when uh, when you saw the crack, were they bending over? Were the what? I said I saw a needle. I didn't see the crack. <laughs> More oh, wordplay. Oh, okay. I said you saw a crack. I, you know. Ooh, <laughs> wordplay. Uh, uh, the plumber okay, district cool. has come in. Um, you know the yeah. It's interesting because like you have hey Jason. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> now I'm thrown off. Uh, the interesting thing about that is the people in the campsites are like, they're doing their shady shit out in the open so everyone can see. And then the people in the apartments are like storing the bodies in their closets, right? I think I know why they're doing it out in the open, though, Dan. I think they're trying to go to jail to get that bologna sandwich. They're hungry. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. Stop it. But you know what? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Gotta eat. They're prepared to go, though. If they have to, like, flee, all they need to do is just grab their tent. So, I don't know. I, I always hate talking about it because I... Get I, your I, crack and heroin. It's a tough predicament. Like, I, I don't like talking about homeless people or anything like that. But... Like, how, how fast do you think they can run while they're on crack away from the cops? Oh! Oh, my gosh. There is a video of this guy. <laughs> That's that's the worst exactly thing. That. He started running away from the cops because he was on crack. And he's like, you can't catch me. I'm on crack, yo. And he like literally went bolting. And the cops are trying to chase him. He's that's like, funny. I'm an animal. The drugs are kicking in. And, and watch, he's only going five miles an hour. Well, he was actually going really fast. Oh, he was? He was oh, okay. He was on crack. It was speed, essentially. You know, uh, that's the worst part about driving through a falling rock zone is uh, swerving around all the crackheads that are looking up in hope. Oh, my gosh. You're horrible. Anyway, so we have a guest. We do. And she's had an amazing life, and she's going to continue to because she's an awesome casting director. Please welcome. Nyla Durrani. So you got a oh PS5? No. <laughs> oh, okay. He's just going to keep doing that. that. I have a newborn. I have other things I have to spend oh, okay. my money on. Oh, yeah. Wait, oh would it be God. like the perfect gift for the father of your child? Is, is he that doesn't like play video games. 
No, you're so lucky. No, instead he plays magic. <laughs> oh, mag magic the so, gathering. Okay. So, <laughs> as a casting director, did you get to go pick out the baby or You know, I, I make that I make that joke all the time. I'm like, I, I, I know what I'm going to cast him in or I know how to cast him in things. And, yeah, he's actually really cute. I already have a commercial agent for him. Oh, nice. So by the oh, way, nice. those who do not know, it says Nyla Durrani, casting producer. I said director. I'm sorry. Casting producer is more. It's 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 more accurate. But she says with AGT. AGT means America's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're here to prove that wrong. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you have you probably have plenty of great stories of uh, some of the most interesting people to try to be in America's Got Talent that. Um, probably just need to go back to Starbucks, right? I mean, yes and no. Um, <laughs> God, you're so mean. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, rag on people, but, you know, there have been some people interesting that have tried out not just for AGT, but for, for other shows I've cast. I've cast relationship shows, dating shows, house party shows, um, I, I try. Oh, yeah. Uh, I tried casting uh, Mama June's dating show. M oh my gosh, Mama June's dating show. She was okay. So what she was she in? She was in one of those pageant shows, right? Yeah, she's she's uh, Honey Boo Boo's mom. Honey Boo Boo's mom. Guy, though. How did that happen? So she was going to do the dating show, and then somebody, I guess, another network offered her the show from Hot to Not. And she and so she decided to do that show instead. But our show we were creating um, was going to be like Bachelorette style, but the guys didn't know. It was Mama June. Oh, they had no idea. Mama June. Oh my gosh! You show oh, up, you're like that, that would have been. So where she's I mean, at? Dodged a bullet, right? <laughs> like after I, I read a lot of TMZ, I, mm -hmm. I think they dodged a bullet. Oh no! Um, so they didn't find out until they signed their NDA. And when they signed their NDA, we told them, and there was one person in particular, uh, a fireman from New York City, from Manhattan, jacked up, good-looking kind of guy, found out, and then he was like, "Yeah, I'm never trusting you again." <laughs> wow. I mean, I, oh. I, I, I haven't seen any of the Honey Boo Boo stuff, but I, I've seen clips with Mama June. Yeah. And it's just the personality kind of makes you go, what's what's going on there? I mean, she's on drugs. That's that's what's going on. Oh, oh okay. Their kids look like they have such charismatic personalities. I never really watched the show. I watched a lot of clips. And, of course, they became, like, these famous, like, gifs. Yeah. But I would read on TMZ about what was going on with their mom. And the fact that this was so public, I would just break my heart. Like, these kids are raising themselves. It's not even that. But I think, sadly, when you get on reality shows like that one where it's all about you, you know, stuff like that's not happening. I mean, no, I can't but not all reality shows are bad. Not all reality people shows. People still have no. People still have their own free will to do what they please, and unfortunately, the decisions that they make is on them. 
if nobody else is putting a gun to your head. So if 100%. they make bad decisions, that is solely so on you. I mean, I'm obsessed with 90 Day Fiance myself, so I can't, I can't talk. So. Oh, oh my God! Oh, now, you see, I love. I'm <laughs> old enough. I I'm old enough to remember watching the first two seasons of The Real World. So am I. Which started it all. <laughs> and what was it? It was season two, where MTV cast a guy named Dutch. Oh who yeah. Started shit with everyone, and they went. This is what needs to happen every show. Our ratings are going through the roof. Nobody likes this. They're getting along stuff. We need a Dutch in every show. Yeah. So, have you passed um, the Dutch? Um, I mean, I I don't I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I, I've never. I don't think his name was Dutch though. It was something else. But no, I've um I've never cast a complete asshole. Um. I think the shows that I work on, I've cast a lot of game shows especially. So I think people want to like the people that I'm casting. Um, hmm. Yeah, I've never had anybody who's a real, maybe me trying to get them on a show, they've been a little bit of an asshole, but <laughs> like, they're just like, well, you know, and just in general, it's like, hey, I want you to be on this show. And they're just like, no, right? And they're just like, pompous, I guess, but no, Aww. I've never had, I've never, but I understand, like, if somebody asked me to be on some dating show, I'd be like, no. <laughs> so, so no asshole, so you haven't worked on The Apprentice? No. <laughs> Good for you. Oh Good for never, you. <laughs> and what's funny is The Apprentice, like, um, when they had all the celebrities on it, it necessarily wasn't a casting person that was booking that, that was like, um, that was like a celebrity booker, you know, of the show. They got, they just looked up all the managers and got, wasn't part of casting. Um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, so Nyla, <laughs> how long have you been in the industry? Um, so I started working in casting in 2013. Oh my gosh, so it's been Seven time. years, seven, eight oh. years now. Yeah. Definitely. A long time. <laughs> Man. It is, I mean, come on. <laughs> Basically, basically, I've been months. doing casting all of my 30s, so you can tell how old I am. All right. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun. I was working, um, I was working as like a PA and as an, a coordinator and all these other like organizing type of jobs um, in production, and I realized I hated production and I hated sitting on set waiting for lighting, and so I'd rather get into something a little more fun, which was casting. So you started but, from the bottom, you were a PA. Oh yeah, I started as a, actually I was a receptionist in a commercial office, uh, like a, you, you know, remember the guy who did, or remember the commercial, uh, This Is Your Brain on Drugs, oh, yeah. um, and uh, the, all the Budweiser Clydesdale commercials during the Super Bowl, so I worked in that commercial director's office as his receptionist, um, and then after four years I left that, was a PA in commercials, which I it sucked. Um, and then just kind of, and then when I got into casting, I started as an assistant. So every time I've kind of like switched careers in this industry, I've always started at the bottom. I, I think that's actually pretty common, right? A lot of yeah. people in the industry started from the very bottom. Either they were like mailroom clerks yeah. or they were PAs. Um, yeah. I've actually heard that very often with the most successful people. Um, now, 
this is a question for people that want to get on these big reality shows like America's Got Talent. Um, you do other shows like the, were you part of the gong show? I can't remember. Yeah, I did the gong show season two. So I was, I was lucky enough to cast about 80% of the talents that got on air. Oh, wow. So, or wow. that auditioned on the stage. So. I have always dreamed of being the fastest gonged person ever, but I, I saw somebody on there that just walked on and their appearance made them gong right away. And then I was like, damn, that's not going to happen. I was really sad that more, pe like, more people didn't watch the show. Um, I think it had like 1.8 million viewers. So it was like, it only lasted two seasons. Plus they also changed the days and the times continuously through the, through the season. So how are you supposed to have an audience like tune in for your show? Um, it was a fun show to work on. And I met a lot of crazy people and some of my favorite people that I've ever cast. Well, in nice, reference nice. to that, I mean, what would you, what advice would you give to new talent that wants to actually book these type of auditions? Um, I think the biggest thing is obviously be ready for this opportunity, um, whether it be like, the gong show, bring the funny, American Idol, The Voice, Dancing with the Stars, like, or, or what is it, not Dancing with the Stars, World of Dance or AGT. It's like, number one, you gotta be ready for an opportunity like this. I think there's a lot of people going back to the fun comments at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of people who think they're like, oh, I can just, oh, I'm a singer, I can sing. It's like, no, it's not like you sing in the bathroom. You know what I mean? It's you're actually somebody pursuing this. You know what the show is, you understand the show, and you understand the standard that we're looking for. You know, I think be realistic. Um, and then I think it also comes down to, you know, you know having the talent, but also personality. You know, um, I wanna root for somebody. I want somebody I can relate to. You know, a lot of comedians as examples, they're like, when they try out for ADT, they're just like, oh, well, I'm not dying of cancer. I'm just like, I'm not looking for the cancer story. Like Preacher Lawson, great example. You know, oh, he's man. fun, energy. You know, the second he walked out on that stage, it was just like, I like this guy. You know, you just you just fell in love with him and his, and his energy. Um, I don't think any show is looking to cast another preacher, you know, but I think at the end of the day, that, that big personality, that stage presence, that's what I'm looking for. Personality, stage presence, and talent. Those three things first and foremost. Your backstory, we can find. We all have a backstory. I'll dig for a backstory. One time I was talking to somebody for 45 minutes and all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I have a foundation that helps mentally, da, da, da. And I'm like, why haven't you told me this already? Like, we will find something, so. <laughs> I, I actually was trying to pitch an idea, but they didn't like it. It was called The Mass Stalker. Um, they, they really didn't like that. We would reveal who the stalker was, but, uh, it would take handcuffs. Man, get out. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, oh, my. My, you my, 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 my. You've, you've met a lot of people. Which, mm -hmm. which is your favorite underdog story? Who was someone that blew you away that you wouldn't expect had blown up the way that they did? Um... Gosh, um, I mean, maybe Alex Hooper. Um, he came back for a second time this season and he got through the live shows. So that was like, that was really cool because I came to AGT, I remember my first season, I was like, you've never had a roaster on the show. 
And they're like, go find it. And I was like, okay. And I I would just happen to be um, at the comedy store watching roast battles. And then, um, um, oh God, what's his name? Brian. Um, is it Brian who runs the roast battles up there? Uh, it's, it's I'm old, I can't remember exactly his last name. African-American guy. I think his name's Brian. I can't remember. Anyways, so he, um, he was like, hey, you got to meet this guy. His name's Alex. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and Alex just walked up to me. I told him who I was, what I needed. Within a week, he got me an audition tape. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, how do I show this to my producers? And so, um, and then, you know, uh, later he, he found out he was on the show. He was on the show. And, and then this year he came back and apologized. Um, and <laughs> then roasted them again. So I think he's been one of my favorites. Um, um, hmm. I think my favorite person that I've ever cast was a girl named, um, oh God, this is what happens when you have a kid. Things just like go out of your mind. Um, her name is See, Kayla. she doesn't like production, but she does like reproduction, everyone. She had yeah. a child. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I'm the same way, but I don't have a kid, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a real thing. Um, there was a girl named Haylai. Her name is Haylai. Um, and I cast her on Undercover Boss, uh, Celebrity Edition. Or, yeah, Celebrity Edition. So celebrities came on and found people inside their industry. So she was on an episode with a plus-size model. Can't remember that model's name, but it's a plus-size, very well-known model. And she's also a plus-size model, but she's Muslim. She's from Pakistan. Moved here to America I think two weeks before 9-11, hardly spoke English. And, um, oh God, what did they call her? Um, they kept calling her Terry at school. Mm -hmm. The first like four weeks. Yeah. After wow. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. And she spoke, wow. she didn't speak good English. And this is right after uh, the towers went down and everything like that. So, um, they kept calling her Terry, and at first she thought, oh, they gave me a nickname. They're accepting me. And, like, a week or so later found out terrorist. Um, so through that, she's had a hard time, and then she had, she was plus size and learning the language and everything. So she was on our show, and now she's um, – or on under her boss. And now she's modeling, and she's signed, and she travels, like, constantly, like, see her on Instagram like, Damn it! I want that life. You know, <laughs> she's always in like Germany, and oh, it's fun. I'm happy for her. Wow! Like that is awful. Oh my gosh, no! But that's so good. Yeah, that is definitely <laughs> that's good. awful, but that's good. That's well, awful, I mean, but like, good. But awful, but good. But awful, like, good. Haha! Screw you, people! Mm -hmm. Like you made fun of me. Yeah. Guess where I'm at now? Like the, I love that. I, I love it. And then actually, Alex. Yeah. Even Alex live. He's such a likable person. I I actually always smile when I when I would hear his sets, uh, especially when he would talk about his dogs. I highly recommend watching him live. He's really funny. He's really um, good. I keep trying to be a plus size male model, but the only people I keep calling is Ducks Unlimited. Damn it. I you look like you would be <laughs> on a but more like a rat. Yeah. Like pedos. <laughs> oh, are you? Now, if I was on Ducks Dynasty. I had to make one really bad one. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean it. It's okay. 
It's okay. I'm, I'm not. It's fine. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. No, but uh, if I was on Duck Dynasty, though, um, I would have different kind of duck calls. Like, you ducks want some food? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know no. if it worked, but, you know. Oh, that's us. I'm sorry. It's for the ducks that speak English. I have to make some other ones. Ah, ah yeah. okay. American okay. ducks. Okay. No. Uh, so, Nyla, um, <laughs> do you think that people, Dan, get out. <laughs> this way now. Do you think that people in the audition, or even if they do stand up, should they have a certain attribute that they should put more emphasis on, like a typecasting, like a or a beard, or a beard, Martina, or the super stoner Jew, like, like I. Is, I've had this conversation before with other casting directors. They say go for it, but what's your perspective on it? Like, how should they look? Not that how should they look. It's <laughs> should they put more emphasis on who they are in reference to personality? Like, for comedians, all right, it, let's say. I think you should play into your personal character at the end of the day, you know? Um, like, Hmm. Let me let me let me use an example. I mean, like, I mean, we could just use preacher, I guess, because everybody knows him. If he came out and he was calm and he didn't play into his like energy and everything, I think it would lose something. You know, you kind of want to play into who you are a bit more. Um, you know, it's just kind of like getting ready for a date for the first time. You just swipe right on the hottest person on Tinder. You're gonna go out there and meet them on in person. You know you're not going to be seven. You're going to be at 10. You're going to have that best outfit on. You're going to have your hair done and your makeup on. You're going to be smiling throughout the whole dinner. You're just going to put the best face on. You're, you're playing a role of yourself essentially on that date. You know, um, the first date is, is an audition. And that's what I've always joked about is like everybody who goes on a date with me is just auditioning to get a part in the show. The big show being me, you know, that was always my like little one liner tagline. <laughs> Um, on my dating profiles. So um, I'm so glad I'm married now. I'm I, I have been married for uh, 19 years now. So it's like I haven't had to do a date in a long time, and it's relieving everyone. It's yes, just relieving sure. not to have to date anymore. Especially in your 30s, you don't it's want to do that fine. in LA. Trust me, not oh, in your 30s is. at LA. Um, <laughs> but I think that's what it comes down to: is is you are always on an audition. You're always putting your best foot forward. If you're at the comedy club and you are going to perform on stage, you should look the part at all times. You don't know who's going to be in the room. You should always be recording. That doesn't mean audio. That means a video because you don't know when you're going to kill that night. Now you have an audition tape. You know what I mean? It's like, and you're looking good because you were already on point. So I think, I think that's a good thing is like always be in your character um, in a sense, you know? I think that's the biggest thing. And and I, I don't think like, oh, you should shave your face, you be, should be clean cut. Maybe that's not your character, you know? Um, if I told you you should dye your hair black and you should you know wear certain clothes or do your makeup a certain way, you'd be like, well, that's just not me, that's not my style. There's a great comedian, Carmen Morales. You know, I don't know if you know who she is. She's a Latina female comedian here in LA. You know, she always wears like, like a, like a, like a, was it a flannel shirt and some like jeans and, you know, but if you told her to wear dark high heels and a dress, 
it just wouldn't it wouldn't be karmic. Yeah. So um, you know, that's that's my say there. I love that. It, it's I, I, I love that because I like I had mentioned before we had a, a casting director before as one of her guests and she said yes you are I, she would highly recommend typecast but you seem like you're pushing more towards be yourself put more emphasis on yourself and definitely bring that energy which mm -hmm. a lot of people don't do I mean when I see comedians out on stage or these Zoom shows. Half of them are like, I'm just here to talk. My jokes are good, but I'm yeah. not putting any energy. They're really witty, so people will laugh. And in reality, it totally zones me out. I'm like, uh, ha, ha. like I, I'll chuckle. Mm -hmm. um, Dan at least puts a bunch of energy saying stupid stuff, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. I'll be honest. So much energy. I've gone to comedy clubs, and I've seen the same comedian a hundred times, but they always look nice. And even when they're dressed down, they still look like they tried and they come on stage and they're always performing. They're always on. They're, they're, they, you know, I think Nick Guerra is a great example of this. You know, he is just a very seasoned comedian and he's just, I feel like he always tries to dress up until, unless he's at a club and then the manager's like, get on stage. He's like, I'm not really dressed for the part. Um, but when he has shows, he always dresses nice. So I think he's a really good example. But he he used to have long hair, and he was being typecast as like this young Hispanic or stoner or something like that. Like he was always being typecast like that. And he, I mean, it, it fit him. So, but he didn't want to be cast as that anymore, and so he cut off all his hair. And he's a different look now. Is he getting booked for things? I have no idea, but he's not getting booked for those roles he didn't want to do anyway. So mm. I think you, I, it just goes back to what you're wanting to do, what your path is. I, I always try to make sure to get all the stuff I usually leave in my beard out before a show. So um, I don't want it to be in there during the show. No, you don't want to do that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> just talking about i'm talking about berets and things like that so no but i, I agree anyway. with i agree with stacy you know somebody comes you know onto the stage and they got a certain energy about them and uh their personality's personality is really coming out it really draws you in it helps it mm -hmm. really helps you know because yeah. if you have the jokes but no energy and no personality then it's kind of like yeah that person's funny wait yeah. what was his name who, who, who was he you know? It's kind of interesting when someone can do that with a little bit of low energy, though. To like a, a Stephen Wright or or um, Doug yeah. Stanhope comes out, and the way he talks to the audience, he talks like I know you guys, and then he just starts talking to you, and that's the weird thing. He doesn't have a ton of energy, but he has this energy where he's the guy you were waiting to show up at the party, kind of do mm -hmm. like, oh, oh yeah. this is gonna make this, this guy's gonna make stuff funny. That kind of well, do. you know that. That was that was the one thing, uh, and I'm probably going to misquote him, so I don't mean to. But Richard Pryor had a very famous saying, and I'll be I'll, uh, the the meaning of it is on point, but I don't remember it verbatim. But it was something along the lines of uh, "funny is not enough. Be be interesting." Mm -hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Now, what are what are your tips or recommendations in reference to self tapes and headshots, like? What what have you seen the big no-nos and the big yes, I want that person 
let's do it. Um, well, for me personally, I worked in reality and competitions and all this other stuff. So I personally do not need headshots. Um, but one of my biggest pet peeves is that if, if, if I do need a headshot or you do send me a headshot, you attach it inside the email. Now I'm like scrolling through the email and it's just like, it's so annoying. So I would suggest if you're going to send a headshot, send it as an attachment at the bottom, you know, so I can open it up. You know what I mean? Like that, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, and I, I've talked about that at comedy festivals before and like everybody on the panel starts laughing because I think, I think we all feel the same way. It's like some people want it in the email, I've heard, but majority of us, I feel like want it as an attachment. Um, so that's my biggest pet peeve. Um, but get noticed, I think a professional email always is nice. If I post something on Facebook and you send me a DM, did I say send me a DM or did I say in the email or in the post, send me an email with this information? Like I think, I think following directions, sending a professional email, um, you can have a signature on the bottom of your email. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Seeing sent from iPhone means I saw you saw something scrolling, you hit it, you sent me a quick email and you put your phone down. You didn't take the time to really like do something um and you yeah. can go into your phone into your settings on your phone into your email settings and make a signature for yourself so it's not sent from my phone um i have you can do it too i'm not that tech savvy i know you can do it um <laughs> and leave your email uh, leave your email your social media your phone number sometimes i get things and i'm like i really want to pick up the phone and talk to this person while i have this idea in my head and instead like i'm like hey call me back and when they call me back ideas might not be there still and so I think that's a big thing is like, put your phone number in it, make a professional email, say hello, write my name, write it correctly. Um, <laughs> or Marla, which it changes to an autocorrect. Um, you have to be literate. Must yeah. be literate. So you mean social, so you think, so your perspective is we should put like our social media handles on our signature, like our Instagrams and our Facebooks? Yes, okay. 100%. Because I want to be able just to like click it instead of going, okay, Google search, Stacey. So like, it's right there. You know what I mean? It should be a nice, your name, your your email address, your social media, your phone number, just like all there. Maybe a nice little like disclaimer or little like photo of you at the end with like, you know, like, I don't know. Just, it's, you know. <laughs> Okay. A disclaimer, so, like, please skip the last for the first four pictures. They're all with horses. It's not who I really am. Please go to five through going on. Thank yeah. you. Um, another thing I yes. tell people to do, and this is a big piece of advice I tell people all the time, is if you're going to put your cell phone number on your signature, why not make a Google number? Your Google number, which is attached to your Gmail, if your Gmail is attached to your phone, your Google number will ring on your phone. And if that number shows up on your phone, you know immediately that it's a work call and it's not a creditor. <laughs> so you answer, you answer that call super fast. Um, so I suggest that to a lot of people who are performers, you know, um, that way you're not like, okay, I'll check the voicemail later. It rings, you know, that number shows up. You don't know who's calling because it's a Google number, but you know, it's a work number. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I am one of those people that actually sends everyone to voicemail. I pay my bills guys. I pay my bills. I don't have that problem. And just like, I don't recognize this number. Just leave a message. That's the type of person that I am, but yeah. no. okay. I will see. I did yeah. not know that. Um, yeah. 
do you think that social media profiles now have more influence in impacting a casting person's uh, decision than an IMDb credit profile now? Again, I don't cast um, script, so I don't look at IMDb myself. Um, I'm sure with, with script casting, that might help you as well, for sure. I can only assume. Um, for me, if you have like 200 million followers, hell yeah, that's going to influence you know, people in general, you know, opinion. They're going to be like, okay, they have 200 million followers. Those 200 million followers are going to come watch our show. Like any show I'm on is going to think that, you know. Um, but if you have 100 uh, followers, it's not going to be like, oh, he only has 100. Like, no, if, if your talent's there, your personality's there, everything is there, I'm still going to want to cast you. So I don't think it's like a big deal. But I mean, hell yeah, if you have like 200 million followers, fuck yeah, I'm going to be like, can I say that on here? I don't know. But yeah, I'm going to totally, totally pay attention. Like either I'm not noticing something and other people are, um, or yeah, like what I said before. Do you guys have any questions? Like for our audience who's watching, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to go ahead and put it in the comment box below. That way we can go ahead and ask Nyla. Do you guys, and welcome back, Dana. We missed you. You missed what, like an hour? I, it's, it sucked. It's, it was just, I typically that situation doesn't run that long, but it's just so sorry, you guys. Glad okay. to be here. Glad to be in. Glad to catch you, Naila. Glad to catch the last. I definitely enjoy um, a lot of what I've seen on AGT. So definitely, um, you know, happy to be here. Uh, Preacher Lawson, the comedian. Uh, just so many great things that we've seen out of there. Um, well, and I think know, I'm not the only one who does it. There's a huge right. team of us, and I give my. <laughs> no, you're the only one. You're the only one who does it. We're telling everyone you're the only one. Please don't. But know. no, we. I, I think that you're just part <laughs> of a great family of great content. That's all I'm saying. So yeah. I just. So that's what I think. Just overall, um, watch, you know, love. Watch, I can see your voice on Wednesday nights. I cast that, and it's currently on television. What's it called? I can see your voice. Oh, okay. It's we right after the mass singer. Oh, okay. That's okay. by Ken, Ken, right? Yeah. Ken is the one that Ken. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, you guys know stand up comedian Ken Jong. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Ken uh, Jong. Okay. Um, so he's so funny. I've seen him like. He's having apparently. trouble on the one syllable last names. I always, I always <laughs> am like surprised if I know he was a doctor. Um, Imagine doing, you know, being a doctor, and then you're like, I'm just gonna do stand up comedy, you know. It's a lot of confidence. Other people, I want to be, I want to be the root issue. You know, um, you gotta have, you have gotta have confidence to leave being a doctor to do stand up comedy, just like the confidence to jump naked out of the of a trunk of a car, um, like oh. in the Hangover. Like it takes a lot of confidence to do that. Oh my gosh. That's how you uh, I don't think it's drugs. I think with him, it's pure confidence. Yeah. <laughs> or both, or I, I drugs actually, and confidence. I met him once at the HaHa, ha and I was actually very impressed by him because um, I just went up there randomly, and someone's like, oh, Ken John's here. And he's like, he's been on, He, I, I was casting I Can See Your Voice, and so I knew he was the host. And so I just kind of wanted to like, hey, I'm, I'm casting a show right now. <laughs> um <laughs> 
And then he, he was he was on um, the Gong Show. So I was like, he's been on a couple of my shows, and I know his manager as well, Brett Carducci. And so I was like, hey, you know, I know Brett. Da 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 da. I introduced myself, and like I think it was like three hours later, he'd already done his set. He talked to a million people, and I was like, hey, I'm just heading out. I just wanted to say thanks again, you know, for saying hi and grabbing a photo with you. And he's like, oh, Nyla, it was so nice to meet you. And I was like, I remembered my name. My name is weird. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he, said it, and he said it right, you know? So I was like, I'm impressed with this man. It, you know what? It's insane how many people remember things. And yeah. now with TikTok, there are, the, the biggest trend now is talking about your celebrity encounters and how your experience was with them. Yeah. And if at any point you did not treat them well, you smirked or you rolled your eyes, they remember. Oh, like, yeah. I think Joel McHale has been, uh, he's been a common celebrity encounter that hasn't been negative. What the funny part about it though, is I've met him. I've been so fortunate to meet him a couple of times. He is a very sarcastic person. With mm. me, I knew he was playing with me. Yeah. And as I hear these stories, I'm like, I think he's playing with you. You just probably don't understand. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a smartass like myself, and uh, some I've I've definitely rubbed people the wrong way before in the past. So I get it. <laughs> I roll so, my eyes a lot, and my coworkers have noticed that. <laughs> Couldn't do it anymore. So guys, if you ever make it big, remember TikTok remembers. TikTok remembers. Yeah. I only recently got on TikTok. I, I can't I, I I have a problem. Are are you are you on it twenty four seven, even if you don't try to be? Uh no. Um I'm on Instagram more. Um I've started using Instagram a lot and hashtags a lot to find talent. Um, and I feel like Instagram and YouTube are still like the biggest places I search when I'm actually just kind of like lazily doing searching. Um, TikTok, I've found singers but and some dancers, but not really in comedy or anything. Um, so yeah, no, no, I'm not on TikTok. I just, I have to get it because I have to search other places to find talent now. I don't know if there's any other app that I should look at, but I've looked at Twitch before as well. Wow, so, I didn't even know that you were actually looking at oh. Yeah. Well, as a as a forty year old guy with a beard, if I spend too much time on TikTok, the police come to my door. Um and and that that's that's a good thing, right? They're 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 actually working. Yeah, yeah they're so doing their job. Finding talent. If any of you guys have friends or anything, Nyla actually has a Facebook page. It's uh, what's Nyla casting now? Is that the actual? Is, is that the Facebook group? Um, I think yeah, that's the link. I gave it to Steph. Yeah, it's a Facebook yeah, group. Yeah. It's called what's Nyla casting now, and it's N A E L A. Um, and myself and other casting producers post um, post casting calls. Uh, essentially, mostly Damn. mostly uh, what's it called? Oh, I have an IMDb page. <laughs> Who knew? Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's probably one credit on there, and I have thousands. Um, I've actually gone up to I've actually gone up to what's it called? Um, my my people over at AGT, and I'm like, hey, can you like credit me so I can like 
put it on this? And they're like, yeah, sure, it never happens. Um, but yeah, on my Facebook page, uh, people people can add themselves there and they can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Anybody can add me on Facebook. Uh, I still have to go through a hundred other ads, but I'm at a, like at that limit. So now I'm like very like, oh, should I enjoy? I only have like two people in common. Oh, I have 50 people in common with this person. I don't know, I just feel like maybe they're more established. <laughs> well, everybody watching, you see the uh, the the uh, oh I'm sorry to say what they, I, I forget what they're called. The, hey, there's the hashtag. Uh, sorry, what is the word again? I'm I'm messing social up the word here. Addresses? Hey, there's the social media stuff right there for Nyla mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah, and your page is I know, uh, <laughs> or my alcoholism. I don't know which one. He hasn't um, been here. Yeah, it's it's got to be that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, where, where, uh, reality meets reality, uh, interesting on IG or Nyla casting on Facebook or the IMDb right there. Um, Nyla, would yeah. you like to stay on with us for another segment? What am I doing? Ah, well, uh, Dana has put together, uh, something, uh, some funny thing, random thing. I think she should actually, uh, she should actually explain it. Um, well, one, I just love to laugh. Like I think, uh, and I, and, and so I, um, and then on, on this wonderful journey of doing comedy, like I already liked to laugh before I entered the, uh, got on the on-ramp and got on the comedy freeway and then right up my alley through the great, um, we joke on, um, this feed, we call it the algorithm, but through the great algorithm of Apple news, I get these bud Buzzfeed like list of just silly shit there's just and it just like it's just funny to me if there was anything we needed uh in covid to brighten every day is a whole lot to laugh about so i just tried to pick a few that i thought would be fun uh to talk about and actually it, it there's you know it's weird like i was on a comedy show or something the other night or no i was in a class rather and something came up that was on this thing it's not the same thing but well i when i when we get to it i'll tell you guys what happened it's very interesting so um let her rip so i call it hashtag get these laughs because that's what i want everybody to do and i honestly i'm one of those people who like in my friendship thread like I'll send my friends the link, like get these laughs, y'all get these laughs, just, you know, so for all of us to just be lifted up. So I think there's just the great humor, the true humor of it all. And then there's hopefully that place that we can make somebody's day brighter. All right. So am I sharing screen? Or are you guys sharing screen? Like uh, either one. Uh, I, like, I, didn't, that- I, I didn't, I forgot that we were, I'm so used to someone else. Doing it, so I'm not, I'm not ready to share screen cause I didn't pull it up that way, but I can, if you give me like, you know, or if somebody has it ready. Stefan, uh, do you have it? Because, wow. I do not okay, so it's uh, it's gonna be an awesome list. Uh, <laughs> okay, right, right, right. That didn't go well. You're gonna have to share. Not a problem. Oh, he's sleeping. <gasps> okay. So this is peace. Oh my god. Yeah, this is my peace time. Okay. <laughs> this is Futurama. Futurama reruns time. <laughs> yeah, I love Bender. Bender's amazing. Just the bottom thing there. So this is the thing I have. I'm on my older computer, so it's definitely not going to share. That's why, like, I knew that it, I wasn't set up to share. Like, oh, I actually, no. So, yeah, like, so that's why I when we did it, like, I sent it because I I wasn't 100 percent sure I'd be able to share. So your computer you, is a fascist capitalist that won't share. No, it's just an older <laughs> Mac that doesn't have all the bells and whistles of my newer Mac. And I'm on yeah, it as opposed to the updates. Yeah. Like oh. and this one. um, 
it's but it's I don't even know if we're advanced when to do the update. So like I hate that. So I don't know if if um without it being too Talk awkward at the it. moment, I can re I can resend the slideshow. That's not hard, or it's right there in Google in the Google yeah, Drive. Yeah, everybody, uh, you you could send it uh to one send it to me. Okay. Everybody, pretend this isn't happening right now. Right, 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 right. Well, we can talk about, um, talk about pretend it's not happening. It's happening. And okay. thank you, Nyla. Let me let me share a story of when we were in between a meeting, we were discussing uh, our, our, an episode, an upcoming episode between the four of us. And my glass of wine spilled over on my laptop. Oh my God. And Stefan said, put it in rice, put it in rice. Right away. Right, yeah. And I did, and he's like, no, you're supposed to take the bottom portion of the laptop off in order for it to work. That's so not exactly I what I said. said. Yes, no. Said. <laughs> so this is what I tell uh, myself. Okay. Uh, uh. So I unscrewed the bottom portion of my laptop and actually put it in rice. And everyone screamed at me. All these guys over here screamed. I didn't, I didn't scream at you. I just said, no, why'd you take the bottom off? Why'd you take the bottom off? Stephanie, you said the bottom. Take it off. That is oh. I, that is, I am sensitive. That is screaming to me. Okay. She's and like, is it normal um, for the rice to be in there? <laughs> <laughs> Did it soak up and like get all puffy inside your computer? Okay. To this day, it, it, it worked. Okay, it worked. By for some miracle, it worked. Okay, my laptop turned on again. Wow. But I still oh. keep finding pieces of rice in the bottom, so I haven't sealed it yet. Oh my lord! It How works, long it works, but I had an entire bag of rice. I can't use that anymore. Like I would throw that out. <laughs> I was. I, I was know, more. I feel like I'm so clumsy. I would do it again. Just throw it out. I was just more interested in if the computer could double as a rice cooker, because that would be awesome. Like, you could, you know, be on the internet and get a nice tasty snack that's somewhat good for you, depending on how much you have. I know Worst it's going to computer, I feel like I could use it as, like, a, as like a sandwich, like, put the sandwich in this, it gets so hot. Oh, I like a melt. sandwich print. Yes. Yeah. That would be cool, though, because you get all those letters in it. Like, um, Probably with so a Dell hot. laptop, you could do that. It gets so yeah. hot. <laughs> Did you just say oh, an Adele gosh. laptop? Dell. Dell. He just Del. said. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not going hello. Okay. Have it. My rubber. So, um, uh, I do have your slides there, Dana. We have to let you know that um, we are running a little bit late. Uh. <laughs> right, right, right. No, and I pray that it's the. I well, I mean, if you guys want, while you're still figuring it out, I can tell you what I need comedy-wise, what I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'm looking for kid comedians. I'm looking for singing. Oh, comedians. I'm in. <laughs> I'm looking for singing comedians. Um, so when it comes to singing, like anything from like Lonely Island to Adam Sandler, but you know, normally what I tell people is, you know, we're trying to stay away from regional jokes. So if you're in New York, I wouldn't do a song about subways. Cause if you're from like bumfuck Texas, like you're not going to know anything about subways. Um, <laughs> racial issues, Back. sexual stuff, um, pandemic related, because who wants to joke about that stuff anymore or hear about it next year, political things, profanity, time sensitive. So 
Christmas, Halloween, like it's going to be on in May. So we're not going to be singing about Halloween. Um, Branding, especially negative branding. Um, So if you're like Spirit Airlines sucks, well, that would be defamation. So we don't want (laughs) to do that on our show. When you say singer, are you for the Al Jolson kind of like? If I just go up there and be like, mommy, mommy, why don't you help me, mommy? I think you would be, um, what do you call it? I think you would be uh, buzzed off real fast if that was the case. Okay, okay. I'll drop my Al Jolson routine. Thank you very much. I needed to know that. I didn't know for sure. Um, But yeah, so like we're looking for all of that. And then, oh, come say hello. Yeah. Like, hi. Uh, the door's still open. Um, oh, say hi. That's Stacy. You're on air. I can't hear anybody. You can't hear anybody. What'd she say? What'd you say? I don't know. Just a bunch of mouths. Hey, awesome. I'm not saying anything. Now they're just making movements now. <laughs> um, Are you trying to read our mouths right now? <laughs> um, I'm looking for a modern mime, whatever that may mean. Uh, I don't know. A modern mime? It's I, someone that I mean, only like speaks Mr. in emojis. Like Mr. Bean. He's a mime? I mean. Like a, like a, what is, uh, what is that dude's name? Damn it! Like a. Well. Stefan, don't you say that Donald Trump is a mime? Why do you say that that Donald Trump is a mime? Because for four years he was the only one that could see the wall, right? Yeah. Oh, jeez. This is the first time I've ever said a cheese step. Get out. Oh, people love that one. You'd be shocked. I'd love that joke. You know. Oh, Alex. In our comments, is asking if there's any comedy shows coming up. In okay, we're gonna LA. add it. I mean, I see that there are comedy shows all around LA. Um, the Improv I know is having outside shows. I know that there's shows at the Magic Castle. Um, the Haha ha Comedy Club is open again, but I don't think they're gonna do outside comedy yet. I don't think they're allowed to for their city, um, but they're open for food and like watching football. Go support them. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. Everybody right. knows we can count. Are you ready, Dan? Yeah, Dan. Well, well uh, I please look in the chat real quick. Sorry. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Um. So I know I okay. let's um. I kind of feel that way. Let's just uh. Let's do uh. Uh, Paul, and then um, if we don't mind, just come back to it. Um, that way, because yeah. Paul's been patiently waiting. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm always, let's do the guest. Right, let's do the okay. guest. All right. Nyla, Nyla, we have Nyla, enjoyed you so much. We've, We've gone over Thank you for your patience. You. Thank you for waiting. Bye, guys. Thank you. But thank you very thank much, Nyla. All right. Now, you may have seen him at Flappers. And if you haven't, get your ass over there and see him at Flappers. We have, and I'm doing this voice just for you, Paul, from Flappers. So I could do this voice here? Meow, meow. I don't know if I should do that. <laughs> Anyways, Paul Moomjee! Hey! Hello, hello. Hey, oh, Paul, Mom. you're still on mute there. I'm sorry, but these new talkie things are very hard to operate. Can you hear me there now? Yeah. 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 
<laughs> yes, sir. Well, I, How you doing? I'm glad to know, based on the last segment, that the future of comedy is small children and music. I am <laughs> thrilled to hear that the future of comedy is mimes. Mimes, small children, and music. Not Richard Pryor, not George Carlin. Mimes. Sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. I don't know what to say. I know, I know. That's the Tell TikTok. us how you really feel, Paul. Tell us how no, you really no, feel. No, that's, that's the TikTok. That's that's what happened. We have this conversation every day at Flappers where it's like, what's what people TikToking about? Because that's that's where comedy's going. Is that it's uh I do think that people are a little tired of just watching people talk. I will say that. I think that there's some people just don't want to watch people just talk for 20, 30 minutes. Um, I don't know about you guys. You ever been to a comedy show where you find that the show kind of livens up a little bit when the comedian starts to do uh, crowd work? Yes. Right? All of a sudden, yeah. it's like, right? They're going like, what's the deal with Tinder? And then they start doing crowd work, and then the audience feels part of the act a little bit more. Well, so that's one of the things I love about British comedy. I, I love that in British comedy, a lot of times the big names, they actually devote a section of their show to taking the piss from the crowd. They allow the crowd to heckle them. They come back at them. I mean, people that are great at this is Jimmy Carr. Um, uh, oh, Frankie Boyle. If you've seen yeah. him, he's really good at the crowd work. I mean, he automatically starts going in and just raz, you know, going razzing the crowd or roasting them right away. So no, but you're actually right. So I actually watched my first outside comedy show since the pandemic last night, and uh, the incredible uh, Craig Robinson was the headliner, and he's actually he he does perform with Flappers very often, right, Paul? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like it's been eight months, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that, that applies everywhere. But right. um, he's, he's, he's a musical comedy. And he was such a crowd pleaser because what he did was he incorporated the audience to a majority of the set. And almost every previous com a comedian that went before him just did their basic set. And the jokes didn't land as strong compared to those yeah. that actually try to talk to their to their crowd now that could sometimes go very well like it did last night or it could go really 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 badly especially if you have a drunk girl which is my worst heckler i can never control the drunk girl and i can't say anything because i'm probably the drunk girl at las vegas shows no the uh the, the the drunk girl at a comedy club will usually be escorted out by management <laughs> so like like in all reality i actually my first major hosting gig was hosting for tom segura and there was oh, a wow drunk girl. yeah and it was a drunk girl in the front crowd and i was told go tell her if she doesn't you know stop talking we're going to pull her out of the show so a club should be able to handle that uh but a but a, a an alternative venue a bar a restaurant that's where it gets tougher because they just spent 24 dollars on food and that's the only you know and, and the restaurant does not fit as many people as the club so yeah no the the the, the drunk heckler the, the worst though i ever had was a bachelorette party at a bar that oh, was wow. rough i mean that's paul and you said a club should be able to handle it i have found a club handles the drunk girl really well yeah i think that for the most part they usually have a yes no well 
Not at flappers. Not what you call it flappers. We do not flap them. Yeah, there's no clubbing people at Flappers. No. They don't bring out the baby seal club. No. No. Well, that would be at Flippers. At Flippers. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there are some incredible comedians that have actually handled the drunk heckler really yeah. well that I've been impressed in, and I've seen a few. I personally have not done well in that, in that aspect. Like, I, I have definitely had... I've only had two incidents that I couldn't control, but it, it takes true talent. If, if you see a comedian on stage handling somebody that's disturbing the entire show and they do really well, you have to give them props because it's not an easy thing, especially as you're trying to get to every third word and she's just screaming or just trying to have a conversation in the middle of your set. It, it, it It's pretty rough. But well, I think I think the the core of the issue is comedians who do not care if the audience likes them has no problem going after the heckler. But if but if you come from a background in which you need people to like you to do your job correctly, you know you got family issues. That's going to be tougher, right? So so I think that if you look like like you come from a background of sales, correctly, right, Stacy? Right. Okay. So it fails when people make a, an offensive comment to you, not knowing they did it. You're still trying to sell them the thing, so you don't go like, "Oh, I," you know, you don't heckle back. You go, "Oh, that's true. I do look like that, don't I?" Please buy my thing. <laughs> so that's way different than a social outcast who decided to become a comedian. Who, when someone's interrupting their only opportunity that their introverted heart finally feels open to be extroverted, ruins the opportunity, they're going to go after them. Does that make sense? I think that that's something that most people, I was a school teacher. I didn't get to roast the children, okay? When I taught high school, I, you know, if a kid talked in class, the, the meanest thing I could say is, that's it, Billy. You're going to have detention next time you do that. <laughs> So I wasn't good with hecklers for my first three years, right? I wasn't very good. My first three years, I was like, please, sir, just, just, just stop. They're going to fire me. <laughs> and then after a while, it turned into, you know what, screw you, because nobody paid to listen to you, bud. Yeah. Then when the attitude changes, you change. Then you're able to handle it. Then you're I like, uh, yeah, this is – yeah, you're – at that point, you're like, this is a PSA, everyone, for what happens when you drink too much. Right. Uh, you know. Well, it's crazy. No, I mean, it's it's such a... That perspective has never, ever been brought to my attention at all. It's your insecurities that lead to your downfall, which... Wow, thank you. Now I'm like... Now I guess we have a better idea. What yeah, one of the... Uh... I'm like, oh my God, I'm broken. One of the uh, yeah. workshops when I when I was taking Jerry Corley, he teaches you how to uh, start writing material too for hecklers. So that's a uh, pretty uh, fun stuff. Wait, just for <laughs> them? They're the ones heckling you. Like, why would you just decide to do comedy just for those guys? Uh, oh wait, no, that's not no, what you're yeah. saying. Got it. It's the. I. You have been such a great friend we've known each other for a few years now which is surprising because i can't believe it's been years now yeah not that long but still a couple years um 
you have been in the industry for several years and you started as a high school teacher, but you actually ended up writing for Nickelodeon shows, right? Yeah, so I was a high school teacher from 2003 to 2006. And then when a teaching job fell through, I had let, I had let the other job go. So now I'm in a position where I didn't know what to do. And my uncle was like, well, you always wanted to be in part of the industry. Why don't you come work as a production assistant at Nickelodeon? So within two months, I got promoted to the onset uh, executive producer's assistant. And then within a month from there, I got promoted to his full-time assistant, which was an almost six-figure position. And the, mm. the and Nickelodeon, the thing about kids' to cable television is they do not get to have a lot of writers. There might be 25 writers on a major, you know, Hollywood big network sitcom. At Nickelodeon, there's four. Mm. So uh. I was able to be so what the, the, the position was was his personal assistant as well as in the writer's room working on shows. So I got to help create iCarly. I got to help uh, do the final episode of Zoe 101. So to watch a television show complete itself, that's an education in writing. And then mm -hmm. at the same time, watching an, uh, the evolution of a show create itself. Like when the studio comes back and says, we don't like something, that's, you know, watching how you handle that because the, art, the artists, the writers, the they're sitting there going, "How? what do you know? And then they're looking at them going, well, what do you know? Right? We have to sell the show. And we don't think we can sell this. So there's a lot of interesting back and forth that I learned in those two, three years. And then the writer strike happened. I decided to get a master's degree. I made a lot of short films. And then at uh, 32, I got into comedy. So I started mm. a little bit older than uh, most, you know. I mean, look, when I was 32 and I walked into my first open mic, I was like, why is everyone 12? <laughs> right. Why? What? You know, and of course they had not, they didn't know what to talk about. So I walked up and talked about having a job. I walked about, you know, walked up and talked about relationships. They were talking about, well, for the guys, mostly they were talking about their penis. Right. And, <laughs> and for the girls, it was a lot of the same stories of getting drunk or bad dates. The, so, so, but they're all. Or their penis. Or their penis, you're right. Yeah, or their penis, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which in some cases, that just meant their husband's penis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. That's, well, you know what's crazy? So, Paul, your official title now with Flappers is director, right? It's the site director for workshops and classes, yeah. And Paul, I, uh, he was a student when I met him, so he is... And I, he deserves his title so very well. He has given me feedback from the very moment that I've met him. Uh, but it's incredible that a lot of students that take classes at Flappers have the most interesting occupations. Like I've met a bunch of lawyers okay, who take so Flappers classes, right? Right, but that's because when Lawyer? we took them, classes cost anywhere from 295 to 395. So you had to have a job to take a comedy class at Flappers for a very long time. Like, and that's not a joke. That's just a reality. So a lot of times when I would talk to comics, you'd be like, I can't afford this. I go, well, really, comedy, comedy school's not necessarily for comedians who are getting up five, six times a week, right? right? It's, it's, a lot of times it's for people who want to do a bucket list. 
And so we get a lot of lawyers, a lot of teachers, a lot of doctors, a lot of accountants. We've had the people from Google show up. Like we've had everybody. And they just want a place where they don't feel like they have to get up at 11, you know, go out at 11 o'clock at night and then get up at 6 a.m. for work, right? So they have a class at 7 p.m. And they're done by 10 and they can go home and then get their eight hours of sleep. It's just a different uh, group of, of clientele. It's a different group of people that want to do comedy that can't do the 22-year-old staying out till 1 a.m. lifestyle. So that's what we have. Now, we do have a lot of comedians who take classes because a lot of comedians still have jobs. But, you know, uh, there's two types of comedians. There's a full-time job comedian and then who lives in his own place. And then there's the guy who lives with five other comedians. Like, yeah. it's not like, right? It's not like there's, there's really, there's like two worlds. <laughs> there's two different worlds. You're either a full-time comedian with a full-time job or you're a full-time comedian and you're just hustling for side money as much as you can so that you can eventually, now here's what's interesting is a lot of the people who live with five, six people, like I know comics who slept in bathtubs. Mm. I know comics who sleep on the floor and someone sleeps in the bed. And then eventually though, they're able to put in an amount of time and effort. This has always been my struggle is I've always had to have health insurance. I'm diabetic. I cannot afford to pray one day for David Spade to give me a writing job. Right. <laughs> I have to go to the doctor. I have to take medication. If I was a healthier person, I probably would live with five other dudes, pay $300 for rent, and pray to God that one day I'm writing for David Spade and Bill Maher. It's interesting that you say bucket list because, like, I started at 41 years old, and uh, I probably got five years left with what I do. So, I mean, I think a lot of us, I, I, I think it's a lot of us have always watched the specials, and we're like, we we have jokes, we we have something to say. I want to say something, and that was me. That was me yeah. a couple years ago, and. I was always on the fence about about trying stand-up comedy. I always felt like it was kind of silly of me to do so. And I actually ended up taking a flappers class. Um, and I realized that I really enjoyed talking to the crowd. And I actually had really bad stage fright. Like, I had awful stage fright. And my anxiety would just kick in. But I always felt like I had something to say. And... I know financially classes are not always easy to obtain because of financial reasons, but it helps when you can't properly form the things you want to say, which right. is, I, that's where a lot of it, that's why I've always been grateful to you because I would, we, I would go to uh, our, the, the class mic. And I would say the most stupid of things, or I would have nothing to say, and I'd just riff. And it'd be somebody say, hey, maybe you can go this way, you can go that way. Sometimes another person's perspective can actually change the entire thing and actually make it really funny. When, when I, I took over for the classes and workshops in November, and January we had a great month. I reached out to a lot of people. Uh, the moment in March when the pandemic hit, we we slashed every price in half. We knew that people were going to have the free time to be able to do it, but not the the money, which is the great irony, right? Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> finally, I could take a comedy class at one o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm broke. 
So <laughs> we were able to accommodate to that. We were able to work with people on that. And like you said, what comedy, all what a good comedy class should do is first off, it should never promise fame or fortune. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of schools have done that. I'm not going to say who, but a lot of schools are like, take our class. We made so-and-so a superstar. No, you didn't. I remember that when dating before, like I would never promise fame and fortune for be going out with me. Right. Well, you understand. Say yes. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. Yes. The, the secret to life is to under promise and over deliver. Um, but, but, but then the other thing too is the other thing too was, is that, um, a comedy class should be able to allow you to understand two concepts. One, brevity, less words is better. And two, you have to have a punchline. Because most, most open micers don't have punchlines. When you're starting out, it's attitude, right? It's like, what's the deal with this thing that nobody likes? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like... I, and so in comedy class, what I'll say is, well, how do you feel about that thing? Oh, well, it made me scared or it made me feel uncomfortable. Okay, say that. Right. And now we can develop a punchline. I have a new expression that I'm using in my classes, which is the setup is for me. The punchline is for the audience. And what that means is if I say I'm having trouble dating because I can't find a girl that, um, you know, that meets my value system, that might be a truth. The punchline is going to be because, you know, hey, why would I date anybody who hasn't seen all 12 Rockies? Right? There's only seven. But right. the, point is, the point is, is that I can say something that's truthful, but the punchline can be an exaggeration. The right. punchline can be something. And that's what a lot of comics don't understand. They think the punchline is for them. So now, so they'll be like, I don't believe that. And you're like, but that's not the point. Go watch Jerry Seinfeld, okay? When he talks about how he, when he had orange juice as a kid and he used to have to chop it like it was a serial killer, he really didn't feel that way. He's making an exaggeration, right? He's making, an, uh, he's making a bigger point. And, but, but the beginning, his setup is life as a kid is hard because you have to have this frozen orange juice box at school. That is a statement <laughs> of truth. The exaggeration is where he finds the punchline. And when and that's what a comedy class should do, is explain the basic fundamentals of comedy. And then from there, you should begin to develop a voice. You should begin to develop, what do I want to say? Do I want to talk about my dating life? I want to talk about how my parents screwed me over. I want to talk about how corporate America sucks. Whatever. <laughs> but then you got to have a punchline. <laughs> like, this is a concept. Like, when somebody asked me the other day, they go, how hard is it to make it in comedy? I said, if you have punchlines, it's actually pretty easy. Because you got to figure this. You got this many people trying to be a comedian. This many people are actually kind of funny. This many people are doing it on a regular basis. And this many people are actually have punchlines. That's that's the difference. And, uh, like, I, you know this. I think I told you this. I have a dry bar special coming out uh, at the end of the year. And I'm very excited about this. And I, I filmed it two years ago. And then they've had a backlog of too many specials. And so it ended up getting backlogged. Mm -hmm. But I was able to, within three years of comedy, of pure stand-up, I was able to get a dry bar special. Nice. And it wasn't, because, it wasn't because I was funnier than anybody else. It was because I took it seriously and I had punchlines. A lot of stand-up comedians don't 
have punchlines. That's it. They're funny people. And how many how many of us know that comedian who's hysterical one on one? Then they get on stage and it's just a disaster. Oh shit, that's me. <laughs> that is. That is. <laughs> and so that's that's all. That's what comedy class should do is help direct you to a punchline. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because you're basically telling me I can't just smash watermelons anymore. Fuck. Technically, you can because Gallagher sells the act. So you could be Gallagher 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I don't know me, if I could. <laughs> Maybe someone else. <laughs> Paul, um, let me uh, ask you something or just run. I want to run this past you. It was something I got from another teacher and I just, I have been, um, I love kind of making sense of it all and, and actually going to comedy classes, but I was working with a, working on a set and what the teacher actually told me, she says, you have the punchline, but what you don't have is a strong setup. And the reason your punch is not landing is because she said a lot of times it's more likely it's in the setup where you're not, you know, and honestly, since that day, I absolutely get that. And I have found just as an individual, just me, Dana Keel, sometimes I feel like I do have these, it's, it's what she said. Like there's these great kind of landing spots I have, but then I realized I'm not setting it up. And I find that the more I tell a joke that I can find better setups. And then going back to the thing that you said that I definitely have to keep learning is brevity. Like how can we reduce the amount of words, still set it up strong and then punch it? Like, what yeah. do you think, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Right. The other expression I, I we use at Flappers a lot is uh, punchlines are easy, setups are hard. Mm. So, 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 so you, really what you have is you have a world in which you have comedians who have a lot of attitude with no punchlines. And then mm -hmm. you have comedians with a lot of punchlines but no setup. Okay. And so two different problems, right? Right. So, so, so basically, if you look at a setup, a setup has to basically have three elements. What mm -hmm. the hell am I talking about? <laughs> How do I feel about it and why? Okay. Right? So mm -hmm. Donald Trump is the president and it's scary because he might do this. Done. Got, right. like Got it. A punchline. Mm -hmm. Or uh, you can talk more personal. I always encourage more personal. Um, I had to call my mother the other day and it's annoying because she keeps telling me I need to get married. Right? Mm. I have to have a topic, a way I feel about it, usually negative. <laughs> Right, because nobody wants to hear. Well, I went on a date last night, and it was wonderful because we had tons of sex. Like no one, no one wants to hear that story. Nobody. Okay, and even an attractive comedian who could say that, people would be like, "Screw you, buddy." Okay, right. So, so it usually has to be negative. I went on a date, and it was annoying because she did not want to sleep with me at the end. That at least there's a conflict. There's some type of complaint, right? From there, I can begin to establish the punchline. Because once I establish, you're right, once you establish a strong setup, the turn or the twist does not have to be true. But at right. least it's going to, you know, allow a good setup allows for really fun, you know, uh, uh, punchline. So if I talk about how I went on a date and it ended badly, the punchline could become something where I talk about how I said something stupid. Right? <laughs> so it's not that she was the problem, it was me. Right, right. So, so that's that's really what it comes down. But you're right, and so I believe there's two different problems in comedy: one weak setups, one weak punchlines. Right. Now, the person with weak setups and weak punchlines, God bless their heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
you know? But then, hey, listen, if you have $5, you can go to any club that lets you do it for $5. Or if you can, if you want to buy vodka, they'll let you do it. <laughs> so let's try this real quick. Okay, let's see. Donald Trump is scary because he made me realize that the worst clown makeup is fake tanner. So here's nope, what it I failed. <laughs> here's the mistake you made. Donald Trump is scary because what's the real reason? If the punchline is the Tanner joke, Donald Trump is scary because he realized any type of person can become president, especially someone with a fake tan. See, that's what you would want. Uh. tan. See, that's how you would want to set that up. Anybody could be president, even a guy with a clown tan. So that's how you would set that up. Yeah, I usually when we when it does work, I usually just say that I realize now that the fake the scariest clown makeup is fake tanner, and I don't say the beginning right. part. But right, but right. yes, you're right. <laughs> um, so Paul, uh, I just wanted to chime in earlier at something you said. There are like I've been taking different classes, different places from UCB to different teachers, and lawyers are like a wild card group of people with money. Let me just say that it's that you said bucket list, but after over time, I've met a lot of attorneys who don't practice law. They do anything and everything, but, and I've just, I said, you guys, if there was ever the Uno wild card of professional life, you guys are it. And you're the most dangerous because you make lots of money, no matter what you do. If you show up for an hour, you can make good money if you show up a whole day. So I think a lot of times you have, you know, I've just met even at my UCB classes, wherever I'm always meeting attorneys because they have the means but they are still people who get to have a professional title and get to still search for themselves, even if they're making six figures, you know, doing their professional work. And I think that's why there's a good number, uh, you know, a nice number. I'd have to do real stats and real research in comedy because I have, I have a good girlfriend. She went to engineering school at Howard, like full scholarship, total, whatever to like patented. She actually became a mechanical engineer, patented some kind of special pasta fork, then went to law school and now she's doing comedy full time. So yes. I'm just saying. And so she's the, and I, during, as a gen extra, there was a period that a lot of my engineering school colleagues were all going to law school and doing this law thing. But again, I think more than engineers, law people, lawyers rather are just the wild card of the professional world who have money, like who just have money to do what they want to do, you know? Uh Oh, just a you know thought. Here's the thing about lawyers is that a lot of times a lawyer will get an accidental laugh from a jury. <laughs> it becomes a drug. Does that make sense? Yeah. Unlike, unlike the cocaine. Right. Yes. I think well, it happens to everyone in general that they think that they're funny because a group of friends or a group of strangers laugh at that very one small joke they make. Right. So, so, so here's the thing. Jerry Seinfeld said, first you have to make your friends laugh. Then you have to make strangers laugh. Then you have to make strangers pay to laugh, right? Most of us get to level two. That's, that's kind of where a lot of comedians get to is that it's hard to get that career going, right? But for mm -hmm. lawyers, I think that also they like the idea of the argument and comedy has an element of argument to it. Mm, right? yeah, so there is a sense of I'm right. Other people are wrong. Uh, so they might get people to pay, to laugh for them, to pay to laugh through subpoena. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, think about this. If a, if a lawyer went up, they're going to make the argument that my that my wife 
was wrong when she told me I had to do X, Y, Z, right? That's kind of what comedy is a little bit, is making an argument about your, your point of view on a topic. And so lawyers do appreciate that idea. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the other problem, though. Lawyers, very much more than any other profession, get uh, lost in what the, 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 they can't see the forest from the trees. Mm. But what happens is, is they get a little too deep into it, and then they forget the fact that there still has to be a playfulness to comedy. There still has to be kind of a free-flowing nature to comedy. Mm-hmm. You still have to be acting as if this, you know, what, what is the trick of comedy? To make people think you didn't actually write the joke. Right, right, right. So, but the lawyer has to look in the courtroom like he really prepared for the case. So right. they they tend to like have a little bit of that conflict uh, of that. But I do think there's a sense of argument that they appreciate. Yeah, that's such an interesting view because I I think that's what makes Larry David so funny. He's the defense type attorney where you know they're wrong, but he give you a good idea as to why they think they're right. And right. I've never actually seen it that way. That that's actually a great view on it. That's that's what George Costanza was. Mm. It's, yeah, not, that, that's... it's not lying if you believe it. <laughs> Wait, are you so, saying that that's what Donald Trump is too? It's not lying if you believe it. I I feel that's a good you know summation of him. If Donald Trump, if Donald Trump wanted to be, he could have been a great stand-up comedian. <laughs> he probably could. He would have been. He would have been basically Larry the Cable Guy. And but instead, not- he'd be he'd be Donald the Rich Douche instead. I can see him as a Larry David, to tell you the truth. It's like I could see him as a curb-like person. But but couldn't no you just? Way. But imagine if Larry the Cable Guy would have walked out on stage and said, "Mexicans are the worst." <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, like that would have that might have hit. You know what I mean? That might have worked with with Larry the Cable Guy going. Can you believe them Mexicans are sending their rapists over here? Like that would have been a different type of bit. But I think that Donald Trump would have tapped into some weird Jeff Dunham, Larry the Cable Guy, uh, id that people would have responded to because they I mean, if he came out and you know said that about Mexicans, like he'd be like the he'd be like the uh, George Carlin for rednecks. Okay, my, yes. my problem with Trump would be that he would normalize mail in order brides from Russia, and it's already hard to date in L.A. Okay, I don't need no more fucking competition. I that's the only reason I hate Donald Trump because if he makes that the new normal, I'm fucked. I'm never gonna get a husband. Well. But you know what? That's where Donald Trump, as a comedian, would have gone. He would have been like, I couldn't find any women. Had to find a Russian bride. Like, Fabulous. Fabulous. They don't cringe as much when you want to pee on them. <laughs> so I think, I, yeah, I, th- there's something there about the types of people who get into comedy who have kind of a lawyer, doctor, accounting background. They see things in a certain type of logic, and they like to play with that logic. Mm-hmm. Huh. Now, lots of, lots of, of which, what is your perspective on self-deprecating humor? Do you think that comedians have are more successful in doing that, or is it just a simple, stupid laugh that they know they're going to get? Um, first off, our job is to get a laugh. So if it's a stupid laugh, 
you know, lots of comedians have made a wonderful career off stupid laughs. Right. right? Okay. So, so the objective is to be funny. The object, listen, if, if the objective is to be political outside of a few people, it's usually bombs, right? Or it's, or it's very simplistic. Like when I see a comedian walk on stage and go like, what's the deal with Donald Trump? It's like, oh, wow. What a deep thinker. <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh, you, oh, you caught what the rest of us didn't. Good for you. Okay. Here's the thing with self-deprecation that I've started to realize. I'm a self-deprecating comedian. But when I was in fifth grade and I started to put on weight, my dad said, make the joke funnier than they can make it. So I grew up being a self-deprecating guy. I made people laugh about my own weight and my own size and my own whatever well before. Okay. So nobody, everybody knew if we just shut up, Paul's going to have a better joke about being a terrible athlete or a terrible this than anybody else. Okay. But as for self-deprecating, uh, Fluffy doesn't have a career if he doesn't talk about how fat he is. Jim Gaffigan doesn't have a career if he doesn't talk about how fat he is, right? Uh, right. Uh, John Panette, who I love. John Panette is my favorite comedian of all time. Outside of yeah, like, there's a there's like a top five that could kind of shuffle, right? But Panette, in fact, I met his manager one time. His manager uh, represents Ron G, wonderful comedian, and uh, his manager his manager came up to me after a set that I had hosted for Ron G, and he said. Um, he goes, listen, and I almost cried. I really did. I almost cried. He said, uh, I, I watched your set. Uh, I was John Panette's manager. Some of those jokes, those, those would have been the jokes John would have written. Mm. That's nice. And I, I literally, I'm sitting there, right? And I'm crying death. I literally remember grabbing my drink to cover my eye from crying. <laughs> so, but, but here's the thing with self-deprecation. It doesn't work if there's nothing to self-deprecate. Right. Gotta right, be, uh, you got to be real and so I shouldn't start working out. Right. Don't start working out. Stay fat, stay bearded. Got it. I told I told my mom when I started comedy. I said, you know, mom, I have two roads. I either lose more weight and continue to lose weight, or I gain a hundred pounds and get a Netflix special in two years. It's either either a comedy special or a reality show about you in a right. chair. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna come up in a wheelchair. Just you know, I'm not disabled. I'm just 450 pounds. Um, <laughs> but, but here's the other thing that I found is that we, we there is this kind of war on self-deprecation. It's from the far right like the Christian community where it's like, don't speak bad about yourself. And then the far left, right. That also says like, Oh no, you should be self-esteem. Right. Here's the problem. The groups that tend to be really against self-deprecation in my opinion, and I could be wrong, are really big fans of making fun of the other group. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Christian comedians will make fun of the gays and they'll make fun of the, 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 the different political views, the Hillary Clintons, the Democrats, and the ones on the far left will make fun of the same Trump-supporting type of people. And so I, what I feel like is it's like self-deprecation's wrong, but making fun of the other group, A-okay. And so I don't like that at all. Like, that doesn't seem very fair. So I think the self-deprecation, I always tell my students, make fun of yourself first before you make fun of anybody else. That's the rule. Right. If your opening joke is about how Trump supporters are this or how this particular group's like that, I go, you know, what? if you make fun of yourself up front, you can make fun of everybody else. Because then everyone understands that you're coming from a place of I'm trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be. mean. Oh, 
because you're you're trying to win them over first, right? Before you try to do anything else. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and win them over is really just to get them to realize that 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 you are not here to make fun of them specifically, right? It's the idea that you're here to see what's wrong with the status quo. And the first thing that's wrong with the status quo is I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too bearded, I'm too big, I have poor vision. You're you're getting all of them. You're getting all of them. Thank you. You guys are twins. I'm going to go cry in a corner. See everybody. No, uh, this is seeming like such a basic girl type situation. You're officially basic. I know, but the weirdest part is I'm married, so it kind of makes up for all of it. I'm like, yeah, big deal. <laughs> well, I was talking to the Booker at Flappers last night where we were joking about where it's not that I'm running out of material. There's always material. Right. Like tonight I did a show right before this, which turned out to be a talent show. It wasn't an actual show. I found out I was on a talent show. <laughs> What's your talent, Paul? Your yeah, talent have you done stuff? <laughs> I, roasted, I roasted the first five people before me, and then I had some fun. But my point is we were talking, and I said, you know, I want to get married for the jokes. <laughs> like, 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 if I, like, like yeah. statistically, I'm going to get divorced. Statistically. So I figured, let's get, let me find a really cool girl. We'll get married. She'll tell me what, what's wrong with me. And then I'll tell the audience what she said. And I'll be like, world famous in like two years. I mean, that seems yes, pretty sir. normal. Have you seen 90 Day Fiance? There's, there's a reason right. you're getting married. I always oh, thought that was about a fiance that would dissolve after 90 days, like just disappear like Thanos. Like, right. Oh, oh, my, where'd she go? My problem is, is I go after women who, who are very nice to me, but don't want to be with me. And so, <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, wow, she was nice. And she said that I was funny and, or she liked me or she liked three of my Facebook posts. I should ask her out. And then that was disaster. <laughs> and, like I literally asked a woman out the other day and she's like, oh no, I have work the next morning. And I can't go out. I said that's a that is a legitimate reason to not go out. And then the two days later it was Friday, and she was at a party on the top of a roof of a very cool place with other cool people, in which none of them looked like me. And then the next morning she woke up and she just did an apartment with her dogs putting Instagram stories up. And I realized she just flat out lied. But then on top of that, she kept putting in the Facebook stories, or I'm sorry, the Instagram stories, why will no one ask me out? <laughs> that bitch. I'm sorry. Anyway, that was she, emotional. She, she, well, she, you know. one, day, one day I'm sure I'll find some guy who finds me beautiful. And I'm like, I'm not even gonna cut I just yeah. Well make sure well, that you know, doesn't become the negative energy where you're a nice guy online. So you know, make sure. <laughs> yeah, some 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 people, men and women, they just set the bar a little too unrealistically because they're they're not really grounded in reality. That's that's part of the problem. <laughs> Well, the other problem is the other problem is, is that Marilyn Monroe married Arthur Miller, and this has been giving people like me hope for the last twenty years. 
Right, right. The well, same way uh, Janet Jackson dated, there's a great music producer who's awesome. His name is Jermaine Dupree. But when Janet right. dated Jermaine, I'll never forget Chris Rock coming on the MTV, was like MTV Awards rather, just saying, we all had a shot. If you're with Jermaine, I had a shot. We all had a shot. So funny. Uh, do we have oh. to remember none of these were successful? Like, uh, I don't know if that's the point well, of the joke right now. That's, yeah. She became the other woman, and uh, Janet Jackson just got richer by getting a random baby daddy. So, so, oh, so remember okay. this. Remember <laughs> this. Uh, uh, one of Norm MacDonald, I love this joke he did on Saturday Night Live where he was talking about. Julie Roberts and Lyle Lovett have just divorced. It happened when Julie Roberts re realized she was married to Lyle Lovett. Right, right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh what was that? I didn't do it. The um, well, Paul, uh, unfortunately, we've, we've had our time. You've been a great guest. Well, it's it's great to have you here. By the way, Paul, I will be uh, playing on December twelfth at Flappers, so I will make sure to get in a character and tape my tits down. Um, <laughs> Good. Let me. I just want to say this before you go, Paul. One, I feel like it's so wonderful to meet you here because a, I get the emails every week, and because I think I've accidentally put it on two different emails than I. Like I get it twice. I get the same emails back to back. And much like Dan, it's been my pleasure to do like, it's like that when I first started getting booked at Flappers because I was so new and so excited, I would count like, oh my gosh, this is the third time. This is the fourth time. And, you know, and it's been a blessing. I am a very spiritual person. Um, it's been a blessing to like lose count of how many times that I've been blessed to be booked at Flappers. So I just think it is an amazing um, institution for growing comedians yes. and for someone I've been in LA for just over 20 years. And I did not, I tried out comedy very early in my time of getting here, but I went on to work in different industries, music industry on the film side, music videos were very popular and to finally make my way back. And one of the first things that an encouraging person told me was you'll be booked at Flappers in no time. Um, she's like, you're already good enough. You know, I think you just have to keep doing the mics. And so it's just really nice to really meet you because it's, it's, um, for everyone here, it's a big part, you know, obviously we're not necessarily here to talk about or, you know, all that, but just, right. it's a big part of what is shaping my journey and just grateful to, to meet you in person I, and, I and learn way more about you than I knew. I, I definitely want to go ahead and say that if you, anyone watching is considering and trying stand up, Paul is beyond involved. Um, I've taken multiple comedy classes, and the one thing that I've realized is you can have a teacher that has the experience, but the reality is they can be listening. They're just laughing, providing some feedback, but you're not really connected to your teacher in the sense that you think they're actually paying attention to you or giving you the feedback that you feel can actually be constructive. Paul is beyond amazing. He is very informative. He actually listens. He actually tries to help you structure a good punchline and setup. I highly recommend if you are thinking about doing stand-up, he is the perfect teacher to start with. Thank you. And with that said, don't worry, Stacey. We're going to give you that $100 for the endorsement. <laughs> Why, thank you. No, That's definitely not the case. No, I'll be definitely looking into taking some classes with y'all, uh, Paul. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're wrapping up the year right now. You know, it's hard to do classes anytime after like the second week of December. Right. Uh, because people are busy, but we'll start up again in January. And, you know. Yeah, comedians are busy being mall Santas, right? Well, 
Remember, <laughs> we talked about it. The lawyers. The lawyers are the ones who take those two weeks off. Right, right. <laughs> so, so we we will start up again in like you know mid mid January again, and and. and the, the only thing that we really try to do with any of our floppers classes is we're trying to build comedy community. Um, yes. We've had a lot of our students, we've had a lot of our students develop their own uh, writing groups. We've had students be able to develop their own TV writing groups. Like we teach writing classes. And so we've had students that decided to get together to just keep writing. So they, they paid, you know, maybe $200 for a class and then they started their own Zoom group. So Really, what, what, what I'm most proud of is the ability to build community and the ability for people to build friendships, because that's that's what Flappers did for me when I started out. Mm -hmm. And so that's all you just want to do. You just want to give people an opportunity to make some friends and to feel like they're part of the community. Network, network, and network. that's why that that's why uh, comedy has really been therapy for me. As I've started it, is I've met so many people that actually want to laugh. I, I work in software during the day, so I don't meet too many people that want to laugh during the day. But but at night, I come and I talk to people like yourself, Paul, and to people here on the podcast like uh, Dana, Stacy, and and Stefan that actually want to laugh for part of their life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been really good. So if you're one of those type of people, I mean, like Paul said, there's different types of comedians. You could be someone who just comes in to laugh part-time and help others laugh part-time. It's really great. Yeah. All well, right, thank guys. You. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. And you guys remember, next Thursday, we're both. That's right. We will Rory, see you all next Thursday. everybody. Thank you. See you on Bye, Anthony, okay? Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs>